0: one there it is oh it kind of tripped me out for a second there that's okay we're gonna be tripping out a lot today we're gonna be having a lot of fun talking to our guest i almost killed it i almost did the, the whole anyway never mind you know what i'm just gonna shut up before i uh ruin the whole thing we're gonna have fun practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. I love living in San Diego. Sorry for everybody who doesn't. Uh, Before we jump in and chat with today's awesome guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social media. You can find us everywhere at... Uh, practicing Poly A. Whoops, I'm messing it all up. Here we go. I'm on my own today. But especially on Facebook and Instagram, where I'm most active, you can find us everywhere. Practicing Poly A. Following and sharing our content is a free and easy way to support the show. Speaking of free and easy ways to support the show, the best way, absolute best way is to subscribe and share. Uh, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever, subscribe and share. If you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your Polycule, share it with your friends, share it far and wide, and especially in your Facebook group. Subscribe everywhere. Subscribe subscribe subscribe. All right. Uh want to also announce really quickly scheduling for season 1 is almost closed. Uh I still want to get as many differing and inclusive voices as is like this should have been there already, but it's hitting me now uh you know, better late than never. I need to get POC representation on this show. So if you're a person of color, you'd like to tell your story, hit me up. And for the record, next season will be much different in that sense. I promise you that. So uh, as always, lastly, as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. My job as your host to be is, is to be actively inclusive, get as many voices as possible to speak here, because I know that the more stories we tell, the more stories we hear, the more representation we'll have, the more others will see themselves in us and the better we can serve our community. All right. That went on way too long. You know what? I'm just going to jump right into it. Introducing our awesome guest. Our guest today is trained as a sex coach in Los Angeles and they specialize in working with folks just like themselves. Those of us in the LGBTQIA non-monogamous and or kinky communities can find camaraderie working with this poly-friendly, sex-positive, body-positive, intersectional feminist, and affirming coach and fellow podcaster. If you are navigating your low libido body image, sexual orientation, gender identity, or any myriad of other sex and relationship-related topics and are in Los Angeles or California, you'll definitely want to call her. I'm excited to talk to our guest today to get a deeper dive into how a sex coach can help, uh, can help and when I should consider seeing one, and also to learn from them why. After six years of practicing polyamory, they've found themselves in a happy, loving, sexually monogamous relationship. So we're going to dive in and chat with today's awesome guest who's joining us out of Los Angeles. Host of the Queers Next Door podcast and sex coach extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Lee Montavon. All right, I said it <laughs> totally said that with an accent. Montavon. No, I like
1: it. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome lee welcome to the show thanks so much for hanging out with me today i really appreciate your time
1: thank you so much for having me
0: all right so uh what do we start do we start with the sex stuff do we you know what let's start with this tell me about the cowgirl who roped you away (laughs) (laughs)
1: there you go so yeah i um my current partner is someone i reconnected with actually it's kind of an adorable story um i used to be married a long long time ago and when i was married i was non-monogamous for a good chunk of it um, mostly in the swinger community Mm -hmm. before i got into polyamory um and while i was there i um i was working at a corporate job at the time i met someone through one of my work friends had a really intense connection with her. And for lots of reasons, uh, it did not work out. Um, mainly because I was a swinger, but I was not polyamorous. So it was not it. Really within the rules of my relationship at the time mm-hmm. to have this like connection that we thought would be just kind of like a fun hookup. And instead like, this is the woman I almost left my husband for.
0: And Was, so- that, back- was that back
1: then? back then oh wow so 12 okay years ago and then um and then we did not talk for almost i guess for 11 years mm-hmm. and she got back in touch with me almost a year ago just as a kind of like hey how are you and um we've been dating since
0: how long ago was that did you say almost a year almost a year yep. okay all right so the six years leading up to that, you were practicing polyamory. I'm yeah. guessing this was after your marriage or during yeah. your marriage?
1: yeah, so my so my marriage was, you know, we were we were swingers, I'd say, for about half of my like eleven year marriage. Um when we split up, we had closed things. um we had a kid. um so so our kiddo was only two at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we split up, I was polyamorous from from then until a year ago.
0: From then until a year ago, okay. <laughs> so I guess, you know, okay. So this is this is the question that's st- sticking out to me and please don't take it as an attack. It's, it, it might come off a little bit that way, um, but I'm gonna word it the best that I can. Why say that you're polyamorous if you're gonna go back to being in a monogamous relationship? Why not just say you were single for that time?
1: Oh, well, I wasn't single. I was in, okay. I was in a four-year relationship for part uh-huh. of it. Um, I wasn't single at all. Uh, I, guess, I guess the way I think that some people identify as polyamorous as a kind of orientation, which is mm-hmm. like I'm always, you know, poly is who I am. Right. And for some people, it is specific to the relationship they're in, mm-hmm. and and then I think It's a spectrum, just like anything else. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of I see it pretty similar to the way I see my sexuality. Um, I've Mm -hmm. known that I wasn't straight since I was a teenager, but Mm -hmm. how I've identified has changed over the years for a number of reasons. And I, I would say that I'm a person who is, in a lot of ways, polyamory oriented, Mm -hmm. but. it's not that simple. And so, and, you know, I don't, I don't think that I identify like super strongly as polyamorous or monogamous at this point in my life. It's more the relationship I'm in is monogamous.
0: Have you heard the term ambiamorous?
1: No, but that makes sense.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So uh, since you haven't heard it, I'll, I'll give you the, best description that I can um, and this is just off the top of my head what I can remember Uh, it is somebody who can either be polyamorous or monogamous like they're not tied to either one yeah how does that resonate for you
1: very much I I mean I think that's really accurate Uh, for me the the problem with monogamy is when it's not chosen So I think so many of us, I mean, I'm sure this comes up with a lot of your guests, like so many of us have this default idea that we're supposed to be monogamous Mm -hmm. and don't really put any thought into it. It's just like, well, this is how you do relationships. That that I think is a huge problem. I think if you're going to be polyamorous, monogamous, anything in between, it needs to be something that you've really thought about and that Mm -hmm. you've, you've interrogated where that comes from, what is the best fit for you. And that's how I looked at it when I was polyamorous. And Mm -hmm. that's how I look at it now, that this relationship and this relationship structure is right for me right now.
0: Makes sense, makes a lot of sense. So basically what you're saying is that you're now in a consciously monogamous relationship as opposed to monogamy by default.
1: Absolutely, yep.
0: Got it. So what conscious choices do you make now that are different as being consciously monogamous as opposed to monogamous by default? Like what are some conscious choices that you make?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it, um, has to, you know, I mean, we are, we're coming out of a pandemic for, so most of the relationship has been a lot more just socially closed too, which Um, I I don't know, which is a different way to look at relationships just in general. But but the things that make it more of a conscious choice are, a lot of it is more that just I have spent the time thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. Like I think about how I like to do relationships and I've had a bunch of different types of relationships. So I've been able to sort of step back and like do the work and see what works best for me and see the places where, you know, things that someone might call polyamorous didn't work for me and where some things do, because I, I don't think it's just about, you know, it's not just about who you have sex with or even your romantic relationships. There's a lot more to it.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I am hearing you. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me the most was the, the where you're saying it's a conscious choice. You've been, in other types of relationships mm-hmm. you have the education um mm-hmm. and so it is a conscious decision it's like um i remember i remember uh, personal stories sorry yeah story time, story time. uh so <laughs> i remember when i first started going to uh, a karaoke bar up the street from from where i was living it was in hillcrest san diego which is uh the West Hollywood of LA, right? It's okay, the gay yeah. part of town. So I'm up there and I, I'm meeting people. I'm meeting new friends. And I, I'm like, f- this is my first exposure to the gay community, mm-hmm. right? At large. And so I remember after going there for several months and like seeing, seeing it and like normalizing it to myself, I actually gave myself that opportunity to say, you know what? Can I, be gay. Like, is yeah. this something like that? Now that I've uh, exposed to it now that I've seen it more, like, let me actually ask myself that question instead of just automatically blowing it off. Yeah, and I feel like that's what uh, what generally happens is the monogamy by default is that now we're just going to blow it off and not even consider anything else, yeah. because this is what we're supposed to be, as opposed to now it's a, a choice because you've actually considered all of the other other options. Yeah. Sounds about right. I
1: mean, yeah, it's definitely right, and I, <laughs> and I think you know, and I do think it is, at least for me, it is relationship specific. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was no point in my last serious relationship where I, you know, wished it was monogamous or wanted it to be monogamous. Like mm-hmm. it was a relationship I went into as a polyamorous relationship, and was happy to be in it that way. And when that relationship ended, I wasn't thinking about how I wanted the next relationship to look, you know, it was very Mm. dependent on who I got in a relationship with.
0: Mm. That it's, it's, it's interesting that you say it that way, because, like, my question that I was thinking of as you were talking was. Well, what happens when this one ends, you know, are you going to or or is it possible that, you know, this one could open up into polyamory, like either one of those two things? But what you said was I'm not thinking about the next relationship, I'm just yeah. enjoying the one that I'm in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't see I don't see this relationship opening up into a polyamorous relationship. I that's that's not the agreement that we have or really what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um I won't say that you know, a relationship can't end because I don't, I don't believe in saying that, you know, I, any relationship can end Mm -hmm. Um, and relationships, you know, they, they end when they are ready to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's a really long time. Sometimes it's a short time, but I feel a lot more comfortable just being present in the relationship I'm in right now. And, you know, and letting it and letting it grow as it grows, basically
0: perfect i i love it it's basically living in the moment and not planning your next step before the current one is over yeah love it love it love it love it um speaking of love i love your glasses i just noticed them right now and wanted to mention it uh for anybody listening on the podcast you're gonna have to check out the youtube to see lee's awesome glasses sorry
1: they are they are from zinni they're like ten dollar
0: glasses so those are the best right yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Shifting gears a little bit, talking uh getting into some of the work stuff. So yeah. um as a sex therapist, you see people with all kinds of issues, whether it's mm-hmm. uh gender identity, what what else did we say? Relationship issues, yeah. low libido, etc. 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 So like we have the descriptors, but what are like the common things that people actually come to see you for, or maybe better said is what signs do they see that makes them recognize that they need to see a sex coach?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, cause I see individuals and I see couples. So mm-hmm. when it's couples, I feel like the main issues are either around polyamory, like couples who are looking to open up their relationship and trying to figure out how to best navigate that and you know they've kind Mm -hmm. of done the work of saying like you know this is what we want to do but but we're going in a little bit you know blind and so we want to make sure that we've put as much as we can in place to make sure that you know we're doing this the right way if you will Mm -hmm. um uh, the other thing i see a lot with couples is mismatched sex drives you know, where one person has higher desire, one person has lower desire and how to manage that. Uh, And then with individuals, uh, you know, any number of things, a a lot of times it is still couple related, even if I'm only seeing one member of the couple, you know, it's around communication stuff. It's around changes in what sex looks like. Um, also a lot of stuff around like kink and BDSM people just like wanting a place to safely talk about the things that they're interested in. And especially if there's some kind of, you know, if there's some kind of shame behind that, which
0: unfortunately yeah. there's
1: a lot of times shame comes mm-hmm. up when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. So
0: period. Yeah, you're right. Period. Yeah. Period. Whether it's it's BDSM, kinky sex or just sex period, there's all, yeah. often shame. Attached yep. to that. Yeah. So one of the first th- one of the things that you said was uh, opening up and sex drive mismatch.
1: Those mm-hmm. are the
0: first two things that you said. So when it comes to opening up, what are your top tips?
1: Um, my top tips are the first one is to have some kind of relationship agreements, but to know the difference between agreements and rules. That like rules are hard. And I think especially when people are going from a monogamous relationship to a polyamorous relationship, there's that, like, there's a little bit of anxiety and, a like, well, if we want to do it right, then we have to make sure that we have all of these rules. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to say instead, like, let's come up with agreements and let's know that agreements may shift over time. You may feel like you need a bunch now and not a bunch, you know after Mm -hmm. some time has passed, but the main one is, I always tell people don't don't make rules about feelings. Like you can't legislate feelings. So if you go into it and you say like, it's one thing to to ask of your partner, like I would really feel better if, you know, uh, other partners don't sleep in our bed. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean, you know, that's, if you both agree with it, then that's okay. That can be an agreement, but you also communicate that to future partners. But if you say um, you can't fall in love with anybody, you're setting yourself up to yep. be hurt. And so I, I make sure that people know what their expectations are going into it, which is like, are we are we making agreements or are we trying to tell the other person how they can feel?
0: Right. I would even uh, add when you set a, uh, an agreement or a rule, uh, like not sleeping in in our mar- marital bed, whatever. That kind of lends, uh, in my opinion, to couples privilege. And it's so fun. I would also add to that, you know, let's set a time limit on this mm-hmm. and then come back and revisit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's why I say it's always, like, the agreements are really, um, it's not a one-time conversation. It's evolving mm. and it's dynamic. And you always have to think about what other people are going to be involved. They're not someone who's showing up to enhance your you know, your relationship or your marriage, whether there's one of you or both of you, like you're dealing with individuals who have their own, you know, wants and desires and boundaries. And so Mm -hmm. that always has to be part of the conversation.
0: Absolutely. So this kind of brings up two questions for me. Uh, One is, how often should people be revisiting these agreements uh, by your recommendation? And two, and maybe more, more importantly, what is the state of their relationship usually when they come to see you? Uh,
1: well, for the first one, I you know it definitely depends on the couple, but I really like the idea of monthly check-ins mm-hmm. uh, for any couples, monogamous or polyamorous, um, just a kind of like state of the relationship. Uh, so I think that can be a really good place to do a check-in about agreements, even if the check-in is so simple as to say like, are you still feeling good about everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's that short, but I think typically monthly can be a really good um, place just to, especially if you're a couple who, you know, is prone to maybe getting in arguments or having a harder time when you're talking about more sensitive things. If you're scheduling that, Mm -hmm. you can give yourself a little more time to prepare and to make sure you have something like nice planned afterwards so it doesn't feel like, Um, aggressive on either side. So it feels like something you're doing together in service of the relationship.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Um, The folks over at multi-amory, they've got that great uh, radar uh, template. Mm -hmm. I use it all the time. I love Um, that. Yeah. If if anybody listening doesn't know about that, definitely go check that out. That is an awesome resource.
1: Definitely agree. Yeah.
0: So uh, the second part of that question, so monthly check-ins, what is usually the state of the relationship when they come to see you? Like, is it already like at its wits end and like, this is a last ditch effort. Are people being proactive? It's,
1: it's a mix. I mean, the best is when people are being proactive. Of course I Mm -hmm. always, um, you know, my recommendation to couples who haven't seen a coach or a therapist is to find someone that you trust and you both feel good about before you're in a state of emergency, you know? And even if it's someone you don't see regularly, even if it's just an occasional, like, maintenance check-in, you know, mm. I see people sometimes, and then if something bigger is going on, I'll see them more regularly. So that's, I think that's the goal, and I definitely see people that way. But, you know, the the reality is a lot of times people don't call, someone or bring in a professional for help until things have gotten kind of bad
0: yeah yeah Yeah. unfortunately that's that's usually how it goes when we we see the signs when it's too late
1: yep and i mean i have helped couples work through breakups and sometimes that is what you know the goal of coaching is not always to like save the relationship mm-hmm. It's to give people space and permission to, you know, really communicate about what they want and what they need. And sometimes the result of that is, you know, we need to not be in this relationship anymore. Wow. But, but I think that, I think that's a place where people really need coaching and support is mm-hmm. through a breakup. So.
0: Yeah, no, I totally 100% agree with that. Um, as you're, as you're talking as you're saying this, um, I'm, I'm thinking, how do I say this? You can't take yourself out of your work, right? Like you are who you are and your life experiences translate to your work. And the same is also true the other way around the things that you learn in your work, you apply and to your, to your life. So what is a recent lesson that you've learned either from Directly from your client, or research that you've done for a client, uh, that affects your personal life.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think the main thing is is catching myself like as I tell clients something that, or I suggest things to clients, remembering that like I can take that advice myself. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. I do, I do separate a little bit. Um, but then I will be talking to a client about um, something like the importance of having date nights and scheduling sex and really making time for the relationship. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll step back and say like, oh wait, but am I doing that? Like that, that's what I try to make sure to do is if I give somebody a piece of advice that I think is valuable to kind of after the session, stop and ask myself like, Am I, to, you know, we don't take our own advice very often. So it's am true, I taking yeah. my own advice?
0: So take your own advice. That's your, that's your. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I- I- if only more of us would listen, right? right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, who I am definitely informs um, how I show up for clients. That's why I specifically work with, you know, queer, kinky, non-monogamous clients. I mean, I work with folks who don't fit into any of those categories, but Mm -hmm. the reason that's my specialty is because, you know, those of us in any kind of marginalized sexuality, gender identity, relationship style, we don't always get the support we need. Mm -hmm. And often when we go looking for support, people are either don't understand like our identities Or they're quick to blame that on the problem. You know, I see couples who are polyamorous, but where polyamory isn't the problem, but they need to have someone who understands that as a baseline before Mm -hmm. they can, you know, talk about whatever is the issue, even if it's just like communication. Um, Right. Same with you know, same with queer folks. Like you don't you don't want to go in and have to explain, you know, your sexuality and your gender to somebody. You want somebody to understand who you are and then be able to talk about what you want to talk about. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that position of kind of, you know, doing a 101 lesson for their mm-hmm. providers.
0: Yeah. And it's really nice when we can relate like really easily, almost directly with uh the people that are that 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 are here to help us, yeah. as opposed to like you said, having to explain you know, polyamory 101, BDSM 101, yeah. life as a queer 101. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I got, I got two questions. You know what? I'm just going to go, I'm going to try for both of them. Okay. Um, number one, what are the major lessons that you've learned from polyamory that you still apply even though you are in a monogamous relationship?
1: Okay. Um, I think the main one is real. I mean, there's a lot, but I, I think the main one is around the idea of just like community and chosen family because, um, so I, you know, I have a kid from my first marriage and then my partner actually has a new baby um, who she had, uh, who she's co-parenting by choice with another friend. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have a very polyamorous looking structure, even though our relationship, you know, our our sexual relationship is monogamous. And so I think having been in polyamorous community and seen all the different ways people like raise families and interact um, has made the way we're trying to kind of have a blended family
0: mm-hmm.
1: a, a lot more seamless.
0: Um Nice.
1: Yeah, All and love. I love. Yeah, exactly. And like I really like the concept of like queer, uh, queer platonic intimacy that I, I heard that.
0: I, I heard that phrase recently.
1: Yeah, uh, the, it's the idea it, it's similar to a polyamory idea of like almost like a relationship anarchy idea, which mm-hmm. is that you know, we don't have to decide that romantic or sexual relationships are more important than mm-hmm. other relationships. And so, you know, it's not specific to queer folks, but that, but that term really is just like, you know, you may have people in your life where you choose to live in the same city as them, or like my partner's doing, raise a child with them, or, um, you know, have them as your emergency contact on your, you know, on your forms at the doctor, who are people that are, you know, you have, you share holidays with, like a full, like kind of family friend blending Mm -hmm. in a chosen family way. That's not someone you have a romantic or sexual relationship with.
0: I love it. It sounds uh, to me like autonomy of relationships and really maintaining that ability that relationships can take many forms, any forms. Love takes any form, many form, but it's just basically it's, it's mostly the sexual and I guess romantic um, connections, romantic monogamy
1: yeah i don't know but i don't know because i think i think there's romance and friendships too a lot of times like i don't i don't feel like i don't know i don't feel like the monogamous relationship i'm in has like particular restrictions about how i or how she interacts with like the other loved ones in our lives you know Mm -hmm. i mean there is an understanding we're not having sex with them but we're both people who have like large communities of people Mm -hmm. we're very close to of people who we tell we love on a regular basis
0: yeah and who you might cuddle up on a couch with and whatever something along those lines
1: absolutely yeah
0: cool cool i love it i love Mm it okay my last question for you tell me about queers next door
1: i would love to uh so Queers Next Door is my podcast. Um, It started, my my co-host Megan Ashley uh, got in touch with me years ago when she had a different podcast and had me on as a guest. We became friends. Uh, She basically found me on Instagram. And uh, when that podcast of hers ended, she got back in touch with me and said, you know, I I really want to have a podcast. And I was wondering if you'd like to have one with me. And so, you know, we talk about all things from a queer perspective, but it's a lot of talk about mental health and self-care, uh, relationships, sex, entertainment. We're, we're not scripted, so it's really mostly just a chat. And mm-hmm. so the, the first two seasons were just the two of us talking and our third season, we started having guests, which has been really fun. Uh, and yeah, we, we just wrapped our third season and uh we'll be coming back in a few months and then we also have little mini episodes called queer cuts which are Mm. for our patreon uh subscribers and we do those twice a month
0: nice yeah super cool all right uh i'm gonna make sure that i subscribe uh right afterwards and uh as we're talking about it if somebody wants to work with you if they need sex coach relationship advice, et cetera, and so on. If they want to learn more about the queers next door and other things that you've got going on, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, learn more about you?
1: Uh, either my website, uh, sexcoachlee.com or um, my Instagram. So I'm sexcoachlee on Instagram as well. And then queers next door is the same. We are queers next door on Instagram or we're at queers So any of those, um, pretty active on the websites and the Instagram. So those are usually best.
0: Perfect. And for our listening audience, that's Sex Coach Lee, L-E-I-G-H, not L-E-E. Yes. Sex Coach Lee. Um, Perfect. Well, Lee, it really has been such a pleasure to chat with you, to learn from you, to uh, laugh with you and all these crazy things that we did today. Uh, Thank you again for taking some time to hang out with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me, this was really fun.
0: Lots of fun. And thank you as always to our listening audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So, if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday right here at 2.30 Pacific Time, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast, and if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it.